Praise the Lord. Welcome to our Romans Bible study here on this beautiful Thursday morning right here in my office. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here with Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. And uh, we are in the book of Romans. This will be Romans chapter 11, part 8 today. I encourage you to go and find our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. There you'll find all the way back to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And I guarantee it, guarantee it, if you'll go back and make this your Bible study, one of your Bible studies, and verse by verse, we will see how the Bible relates to Jesus and what he did at Calvary in every single Bible verse, because that is what it's all about. We have the written word of God. Jesus comes to us, and he is the living word of God. The Bible says, Jesus taught in Matthew 4 and 4, that we, we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's your Bible. And yet Jesus claims to be our life, John 14 and 6. Therefore, every word of God for it to be truth to us that the Holy Spirit can impart to us as truth, guide us in his truth, must be in the illumination of Christ and what he did at Calvary. For Jesus is the light, but the cross is what turned that light on. Jesus is the door, but the cross is that doorknob, the hinges on that door. You have to understand that. Glory to God. Without the cross as our object of faith, and I mean his death, Jesus is absolutely nothing to us in experience. Even if we've been already born again, without our faith in that work of Christ at Calvary, there will be nothing going on with him. And he said we can do nothing without him. So we need to keep Jesus in everything we're doing. And we do that simply not by saying his name, not by any of these other things that we've been heard, that we've heard about for so many years and read in books. Simply trusting in his work at Calvary and nothing else will keep Jesus in your life. That's good to know today, and I'm glad you're with us. Let's jump right in this morning. Romans chapter 11 now, let's back up. I wanted to start in verse 29, but let's back up. The Lord's pouring into my heart things that need to be said, and I just believe the Lord is going to give us some, some powerful things today to help us along the way. You see, it's His Word that gives us a, a lamp uh, uh, to, uh, to our feet and a light for our path. And that path, the only path God leads us in is the path of his righteousness, the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. The power of his name is, is, is what he did at Calvary. For Jesus means Savior, and he saved us at Calvary, at the cross. So if he's going to lead us, he's going to lead us in truth that always shows us the righteousness of God, the path of righteousness, Proverbs 12 and 17, write these things down. Go look at them for your own selves. And so uh, we, we come to the conclusion when we see the scriptures, such as Proverbs 8 and 8, that all God's words are in righteousness. Therefore, all of God's words are able to uh, light up the path of righteousness for us. If our faith is in the one, one thing that God has given us, through which righteousness comes. 
and that's his son Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. Write these things down. Isaiah thirty two seventeen speaks of the work of righteousness and it's what it produces. And we see that Jesus and what he did at Calvary is the only 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 thing that that, that produces what Isaiah prophesied in chapter thirty two verse seventeen would produce. And also Galatians two and twenty one. Righteousness only comes through the death of Jesus. Uh, that's to get you saved. You believe in that. And that's to allow you to live saved. Again, without faith in the cross, our light goes out. Peter wrote that. If, if we forget we were purged from our old sins, we go blind again. Peter wrote that. It doesn't mean we can't still think it. We can't still talk about it. But if that's not what we're trusting in, we have for long forgotten that and, and allowed something else to take over, like the 40 days of purpose, the government uh, of 12, the, the purpose driven. Oh, there's hundreds, thousands of things we could be trusting in other than the work of Christ at Calvary. And let me tell you something. I've been there. I've done that. And, 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 and those things are very deceiving. As a matter of fact, anybody today who's already born again, who's uh, the reason folks aren't just go just man just beside themselves like we a few of us are about what Jesus did at Calvary after being spirit filled and, and in the ministry for years. Listen, the reason they're not coming back to the cross is because they're still deceived that they they actually believe that what they're trusting in is working for them. It's not. Nothing does God work in and through for you except the cross of Christ. And, if, and, and, and there's no scriptures that can be given that refutes that statement. Right? But there are many that can verify and confirm that statement. So watch this now. In, in, in verse uh, in verse 27... And I want to I want to point out something today in this session that there is a difference between the physical lineage of Abraham and that people called Jews, Israelites, and the Gentiles. That now 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 I'm going to read a scripture to you at that statement because chapter 11 here shows the difference. It speaks specifically of there being a difference. God gave the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, in this season right now, in this time, uh, a spirit of slumber. We read it earlier in this chapter. He, he made them blind. He made them deaf. Well, why would God do that? If you go back and read verses 8 and 9 in this chapter, it's because he's rewarding them because of the table they're eating off of. Remember, God can't be mocked. God won't be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. And verse 9 of this chapter says it's a recompense. It's a reward. It's what they're reaping for the table they're eating from, which is a trust. The Jewish people are not trusting in Christ as the Messiah. They're not trusting in his work at Calvary as the redemptive plan of God. And if you're not trusting that and that alone, you're eating of another table. Therefore, the result, listen to me, every time is blindness and deafness and a spirit of slumber. You can't tell me the church, 99.9999% of the church is not asleep today and blind and deaf because they don't want to hear about the cross. 
And I understand because I was there when I first started hearing it. I said, I don't need that. I'm, I'm far past that because the mentality of the church is the message of the cross is just an, uh, an entrance place. And now it's up to us to, no, it's never been up to you except to come to God with a, a believing heart, a broken and believing heart and a willing mind. That's all we can bring. We can't do anything to produce righteousness. Jesus did that work. So there is a difference, and I want to stay on track, there is a difference between the physical lineage of Abraham, the Jewish people, and the Gentiles. And right now, in this chapter, we're studying how God gave them a spirit of slumber, deafened them, blinded them, gave them eyes that they should not see, gave them ears that they should not hear. But listen, as a reward of their unbelief. You get it? God didn't just determine, well, I'm going to blind them and I'm going to make them deaf and I'm going to put a spirit of slumber on them. No, God rewards according to the table we're eating from. And that's why I can say without any hesitation or any doubt, anybody who's eating off any other table than simple childlike faith in Christ, exclusive childlike faith in what Christ did at Calvary, is blind and deaf. And that which they think they have is even going to be taken from them. Jesus taught that those who have hearing more shall be given unto them. That's very important. That's why he taught, take heed how you hear and what you hear. Amen. A lot of people have been hearing the message of the cross as it pertains to daily living, but they've shunned it. They've pushed it out. And when they do that, it's proof they're eating from another table, trusting in something other, and they go blind. They don't have any choice in the consequences. We do not have a choice in what the consequences are. We trust in Christ and his finished work and that alone. We're given eyes to see. Jesus told Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom or even enter it or see it or whatever in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, until you're born again. Eyes to see. Spiritual things take place at the born again experience. But hear me, they only keep seeing if your faith stays in that which gave your eyes, gave you the ability to see by the Spirit. Never forget that. When we start, and I've been there, I speak from experience, many millions, millions are there today. 90% or higher of all preachers are there today trusting in their prayer life, trusting in their fasting, trusting in this for the deliverance of sin, for the power of grace to come into their lives. Never forget this statement. You don't get grace because you go do something. Well, we have to have grace to do it if it's of God. Yes, you do. We're, listen, we're called by grace. These are all scriptures we're called by grace, we're saved by grace, we're taught by grace, we labor by grace, and we look for the appearing of our Savior by grace. Every one of those is Scripture. But we don't get grace because we go do something. We get grace because we're believing in what Christ has already done. And through that avenue alone does the Holy Spirit send us to do what He is going to do in and through us. You need never to forget that. So uh, the difference here is, and there is a difference between the natural Jewish lineage of Abraham 
Even, even though Galatians 3, at the end of that chapter, says we're all Abraham's seed, if we're, we're all Abraham's seed if we're Christ's. If we belong to Christ, we're Abraham's seed. But the Gentiles are not Abraham's seed according to the flesh, but according to him being our father of faith, him being made righteous through faith, not works. Get that. So uh, I'm going to read this scripture. 1 Corinthians uh, let me go there. First Corinthians, I want you to get this today. 12 and 13 says this. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. One Spirit. Let's read that again. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Did you get that? So the point here is in this chapter, 11th chapter of Romans, there, God specifically through the Apostle Paul to you and me makes a difference between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews, in part, the Bible says, have been put to sleep have been made blind and deaf, but only as their reward for eating off a table God has not provided. God has provided a table for us in the presence of our enemies, Psalms chapter 22, hallelujah. And on that table is the bread, the body, and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why he said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. You're eating off another table God has not provided. Now, I want you to think about that. And he says in verse 27 of Romans chapter 11, For this is my covenant unto them. He's talking about the nation Israel. He's not talking about the Gentiles. When I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they, the physical lineage, the Jewish people, are enemies for your sakes. What's that mean? They're enemies toward God because of the gospel for our sakes, Gentile sakes. See, he's differentiating here. You need to understand this. There is a difference in the natural between Gentiles and Jews. But when we're saved, there is no difference. We're all one in Christ, drinking of that same spirit, baptized into that same spirit. But they're enemies for our sakes, the Gentile sake. But it's touching the election. They are beloved for the Father's sake. Now we get to verse 29, and I, and I ended the session on this Monday morning, and you need to listen to it, and, 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 and you need to maybe listen to this one again. For the gifts, plural, and the calling, one, of God are without repentance. Paul said that he's called by grace. Paul is called by grace. Get that. You and I need to understand that. Uh, he was separated from his mother's womb, called by grace that Jesus might be revealed in him. Called by grace. There's only one call, and it's through the blood of Jesus. It, it was that way even under the old covenant. Although Jesus had not yet come, their faith, those who had true, biblical, legitimate faith that God honored, was in a coming Redeemer. So, this scripture for the gifts, plural, and the calling of God are without repentance. 
The context of this scripture, though it may be applied to all the gifts God has given all the people he's given gifts to, and the calling of God, Paul is writing this under the unction and the leading of the Holy Spirit in reference to Israel. God has not, he's, listen, he's not, God gives gifts and he calls his people, and he's not, he's not taking the gifts back. You may throw them away. You may abuse the gifts of God. You, you may use them out of context and, and never receive any rewards for the very gifts you receive, but God won't take it back. Listen, God gives you a bicycle. He's not taking it back, although you may take it apart and melt it down and try to use it for something else for your own pleasure instead of God's purpose that he gave you that. Listen, he's not going to take it back from you. The gifts and the calling... Or without repentance. The, the context here is that God's call is still toward Israel. And that when Jesus comes back, you can read this in Zechariah chapter 13 and 14. He's going to save all Israel. Paul said it again in this chapter. All Israel shall be saved. They're not going to be raised from the dead and saved. Not that all Israel, because it's appointed to men to die once. Then the judgment, all of Israel between the time of Christ and now, 2,000 years... If they've not trusted in Jesus and what he did at Calvary, they didn't make heaven and they're not ever going to be saved because it's appointed to all men to die once. And then comes the judgment, not to die and to be resurrected uh, again and, 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 and then have another chance. No, death and then judgment. Death and then judgment. And the judgment we make concerning Christ, God's Son, being given for us at the cross is, 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 is what our judgment is going to be based on later. Think about that. So the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And again, let's say this before we move on. The context of this verse is what Paul is talking about. Israel. He's called Israel. They're going to be saved one day when Jesus comes back to save them just in the nick of time. All of them in that day will be saved because God hasn't taken his calling away from Israel. God hasn't uh, taken the gifts away from the church, although most are not using their gifts. God, God's not going to say, well, just forget it all. I'm not going to use you now. God, he says here, I'm not going to do that. God's, God's not going to pull his gifts back from you. God's not, not going to stop calling you unto salvation through his son Jesus and what he did at Calvary. God's not going to stop calling his church back to the place of their first love just because many refuse to come, just because many refuse to come back to the cross and to let all this other uh, golden calf idol worship go away from us so we can see again. Although most of the church, just like most of Israel... <laughs> has never accepted Christ. Most of the church not going to come back to the cross once they're all entangled in all these things. But there will be a few that do. But nevertheless, God's not going to stop calling. And the gifts he's given us, he's not going to take away. Let me say it again. Although we wad it up and twist the gifts and abuse the gifts, maybe throw them away and never walk in them, they're still there. They're still available. Thank God that's God's mercy. That's God's goodness. Whatever he's called you to, whatever he's given, 
gifted you with to be able to give him glory and to lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. He's not taking them away because you messed up a time after time after time. God's not taking them away. He's not taking them back from you. Yeah, I don't care what any preacher says. The Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. He's not taking them back. He says in verse 30, for as, for as you... Gentiles have in times past not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Here we see it again. He's differentiating between the nation of Israel, that of the bloodline of Abraham, and us Gentiles. Never, never forget, God started with a bunch of Gentiles. Then he got the uh, Gentiles rejected him. Read Romans chapter 1 you'll see that Gentiles just rejected him as, as a whole. But then God had to get Abraham, raise up a whole nation. Well, got to the point where the Israel as a nation rejected him. When Jesus came, don't, don't want you. Not for the purpose you say and you came for. We'll, we'll take you and make you king if you'll rule out Rome and let us rule over them. But we're not, we're not subjecting ourselves. To, no, no. So Israel as a whole rejected, we're seeing that in the 11th chapter of Romans, Israel rejected through unbelief Christ, so God turns again to the Gentiles. And somebody said, hallelujah, I'm glad to hear it. I'm not glad for anybody whose heart's in unbelief. Don't, don't take that the wrong way. But if the Bible says we've been grafted in through their unbelief, thank God that that they were found in unbelief, if that's what it took to get me in. But see, here's what we don't understand. God knows who, chose, who, who would believe and who wouldn't believe. Jesus tells us that in John chapter 6. He, he's always known who those were, even in his presence, that, who were believing and who, who wasn't. He knew when he chose Judas that he was a devil. He tells us that in John chapter 6. I want you to think about that. But he still loves us. He still Just because Jesus, the Lord, knows what's going to happen tomorrow, our mistakes we're going to make tomorrow, doesn't mean he's going to kick us out today or say, forget it. That's not the God we serve. We need to understand that. And if the Bible says we've obtained mercy through their unbelief, I hate that they're in unbelief, but that, that's the avenue through which God, the, the Lord was rejected, so he turned back to the Gentiles. Now think about that. That's good news for us that we've been through their unbelief. God shows us and we've obtained mercy. That's powerful. And God, because he already knows before he ever put Adam in the garden, God could see all the billions and billions of people that would ever be. And he chose to put those in certain periods of time, whether they were believers or unbelievers, to be used for his purpose and his will. Never forget that. God chose you to put you in the world during this time as a believer because of his purpose, his will. God also chose those who would be unbelievers. They would never receive Christ in, in the world when he put them in the world. I don't want you to get that. All those who've rejected the Jewish people who've rejected God's redemption plan up until this day between the coming of Christ when he came to give his life for us up until today, 
God chose all those Israelites that have been unbelievers, but he also chose the, the Jewish people who a minute remnant who've been saved becoming Christians during these last 2,000 years. So it's all based on God's per perfect will, God's goodwill. Just, we can't ever figure out any of that. It's not up to us to know. It's up to us just to carry this truth, express this truth of Christ daily by the way we live and the words we speak. Our lives as the church, God says in the Word, should be that which is becoming the gospel. Our lives should be carried out as the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is powerful. For in you Gentiles in times past have not believed, yet... Now, Gentiles, you have obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so, have these also now not believed that through your mercy, they also may obtain mercy. Think of that. Even so, have these also not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. God's been merciful to us to make them jealous so that they will believe. Listen, I've said it. It's in the Word. God saved us because He loves us. That's why He saved us, because it's who He is. He's a loving God. He couldn't just let a lost world just be lost without Him intervening, and He did. He loves us. He saved us because He loves us. But He also saved us Gentiles, listen, number two, to make the Jews jealous. It's right here in the 11th chapter. You need to read that. The question I asked last week, is your life as a Christian that which would make a Jew jealous? Are, are you experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, the things they were promised but that they're not experiencing, but you are because you're a born-again Christian. You have the ever-indwelling power of the Holy Spirit every day, 24-7. God's living in you, giving you joy, peace, all the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. They don't have that. Is your life such a manifestation of the truth that they're jealous of you? We need to ask ourselves that question. Listen, even so, have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy? Look, what God offered the Jews, the Israel, and they rejected for the most part the church has now been grafted in. Because the church has now been grafted in, the offer is made available to the Jews so that, listen, they should become jealous over what it's obvious that we have. God forbid we're not expressing Christ every day. God forbid that we're all caught up in all the things of the world, the distraction of the world, and not walking as the good soldier Jesus wants us to be. God forbid that we're glorying in anything other than the cross, things that would make us look like we're as bound as the lost nation of Israel. Come on, somebody. That through our mercy they also may obtain mercy. That they may look at us, what we have, and be jealous. Come on now. Because, listen, in this very plan of God, the, the, the national 
people of Israel, those under that have been born of the uh, physical lineage of Abraham, it's obvious that they should be jealous of what we have. God made it that way. They may reject Christ, even seeing what we have. They may still die and go to their to a place of torment for all eternity. But listen, God made it this way. Therefore, either they will see what we have and be jealous to the point of repentance that God's goodness has been poured out on us Gentiles, the early church that were Jews saw it. Peter said, look, the Gentiles have received the same spirit we have. So it's recognizable. It's recognizable. The question is, are we living in a way with the expression that's so powerful that the Jewish people could be convicted of what God is doing in our lives? Because it is a manifestation if we're trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary. Not just because we're doing a bunch of things. For God, verse 32, For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. And we will start right here next Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Look forward to seeing you again on Monday as we uh, attempt to finish up this 11th chapter of Romans. And don't forget about in the morning at 9 a.m. every Friday morning, cross time with Pastor Curtis. We're in the book of 1 Timothy and we're in chapter 6. And oh, is it oh very delightful and tasty, the good words of truth that God has given us in His Word. I encourage you to tune in when you can. Be a part of the broadcast. Pray for us as when we preach this truth, there's much hardship that come our way, much neglect, much resistance from the church, the truly born again, but yet carried off through the lust of our flesh into other things and and, and, and the church re- resists this message that Paul preached. So pray for us and please don't forget if you've been blessed and encouraged and strengthened and you're learning the truth of God's word through this ministry, sow your seed into this ministry and God will pour out on you and it's a guaranteed promise. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can give on your cell phone. Just type the word give after you text uh, to the number 903-231-5950. I love you. That's why I do this every time I'm here. And uh, God bless you. And I'll see you uh, uh, tomorrow morning on Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. Until then... Stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then. Oh. Mm.